Hey everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about Lucian's petrification problem and fetch quests in D&D. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, I threw Jordan a curveball as I timed him in and then told him, no way. Yeah, no, <laughs> don't do that. Uh, yeah, uh, OBS is fun. Uh, so we're streaming live uh, both on YouTube and Twitch. I think the Twitch stream is probably going to be a little more stable as uh, I'm still figuring out all of my weird internet issues. Like I, I can, I don't know what it is. I can stream in the evenings just fine. And then Saturday morning when there shouldn't be a lot of traffic, we somehow drop a lot of frames. So I apologize. But please go check us out on Twitch um, if you're having problems on the YouTube stream uh, because it's the same show and it's awesome. Um, and this is the Saturday Morning D&D Show special post-Thanksgiving holiday episode that we're going to have. So, I mean, we're going to talk all turkey. It's uh, it's turkeys in your games. It's it's there's a new turkey class coming out. Uh, there's a turkey race that you can play. It's like a hybrid turkey human. Um, it's going to be all turkeys all day for today's show. Uh, that's going to be fantastic. So stay tuned. I've got nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let, let the puns begin. Yeah. So uh, let me change this. I'm always afraid I'm going to hit the wrong thing now that I'm streaming. It's kind of crazy like that. And bring this window over so I can see. Um, so uh, thoughts on this uh, RPG sports. I watched a little bit of it. Um, I didn't catch the whole thing, but what are your what are your thoughts on this, sir? Like, did you catch any more of it? I, I did go through and watch uh, the the one that was right after our show last week. I still mm-hmm. didn't find the very first one, but I did watch the second one that had Ezekiel in the minute. And I only watched like one of the matches. I, I think they were doing best two out of three or something like that. And I only ended up watching one of them. And I found that I am the angry yell at your TV sports guy <laughs> who wants to say and tell everybody how to play their characters. They're like, oh, why are you doing that? No, you got to do right. this. And what is going on? You know, and then it was just kind of funny. So what did you think about it? Um, I thought it was I thought it was fun and creative, but it. Part of me wanted it to be, uh, wouldn't it be fun if we just kind of pitted these guys against each other? Um, but instead, the the commentary tracks where they would like flash back to the the two hosts uh, that were that were kind of talking over it, and they're like, "Well, I mean, that rage is really going to help them here in this next battle because that adds like plus two damage and da da." And like they were kind of just commenting on it, like that. Long story short, that's what I found annoying. Like, I like the concept of it. I like the fights. I think they're really cool. But I couldn't... The the casters were not bothering me, but just felt unnecessary in this situation. Like, they were they were trying to be like, let's make this more like esports and have casters as opposed to let's just kind of show the game and, and let the audience to make their own decisions. Uh, but it was fun. Like I think it's I think it's a creative kind of uh, new dip into using the mechanics of D and D in a new way. Uh, so with that, I'm encouraging like or I, I'm trying to encourage them to do more of that because I think that's really cool. Uh, that was my only hiccup, I guess, was I just didn't feel like it needed the commentary track of of like 
he threw the ball and he caught the ball and then he ran in a few yards with the ball and like they just kind of recap what we already watched and I was like, eh, I I could live I could live without that, but say la vie, I guess it's so good. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's it's definitely one of those growing pains of anybody that starts something new venture and they're trying to bring in um, you know the right talent to do those kinds of things because I think a commentator. And this is no dig on anybody that's doing it at all. I understand that when you're doing a live show, the pressure that dumps on you automatically. Oh, yeah. With like, they're switching from all over the place. They're dealing with people that are in different countries at this point, and they're trying to coordinate that whole thing into one seamless show. So they've done a fantastic job. It's not something I could do with my current skill level, but I did want my commentators, if you're going to have them, to be super knowledgeable, like the type of commentator that knows not only when they see a move, but they would be able to rattle off, okay, that was an interesting move. The, the warrior did this. He had these options. He could have done these things, but he decided to go this way and then come in and say, I see where that strategy is. He's going for this type of thing. That, that, ter- that type of person that has that analytical eye to see, oh, I see what they're doing. Let me explain it in case you didn't quite see it for those of you that are watching that style versus color commentary of just like you said, just kind of rehashing what we've seen but not really adding any insight to that. And I think they'll get better at it. Um, 100%. We're going to see, yeah, we'll see Jay uh, uh, Pruitt's doing it um, today with um, Grant. They're the, the casters and commentators, and both of them know the system very well. <clears throat> and now we're into the third in, uh, iteration of, you know, the challenge they're doing, the 826 LA, I think I said that right, charity game. And I think that one will be more fun. And I think this format is maybe the way they should have started first with some fun charity games mm-hmm. versus the actual tournament games um, where people want to be serious, or at least some people want to be serious and some didn't. And I think today's game will be pretty good if you watch it later today. I think it's at 3 p.m. Eastern if you do want to watch it. So we'll see a different style of commentator, and we'll have two very knowledgeable players. Not only do they know the characters, because that's what I was looking for. Like If you didn't look up the, the pre-mates that they... Um, they're if playing, you didn't really right? study them, yeah, you couldn't really comment very well on saying, is this a good pick or is this a bad pick? Or start looking at the picks and saying, okay, are they going for a range DPS? Are they going for a, you know, a face push? Are, you know, and have those kinds of new words and new new uh, nomenclature that always comes up with an esports or a, right. or a thing that happens. And I think that'll happen eventually. I think they're just in the rough stages of figuring all that stuff out. It is interesting. I don't know if the format of four on four or five on five or six on six, that might be a little too much for a D and D game to run. It might need to be a smaller format. It might need to be a two on two or a three on three or even a one on one to bring that action down to let the slower pace of kind of the, the real time strateginess of this game to really shine through versus trying to really mimic a MOBA, which is a much faster paced game but that's because everything's real and live and you can jump back and forth and it's all happening at once. I think in this style of game, almost board game style or tabletop style where it's slower, they might need to ramp back on the amount of moving parts to make it feel quicker, to make it feel more decisive, to make it feel like there are these crazy stakes that are going on. But I think they'll all, they'll play around with those things and, and see what happens. I'm interested to see if after this is done, do they do they feel like they are successful on a show? Do they feel like they're successful on an RPG as a sport? Do they feel like they're successful enough to continue to do it? 
Yeah. Or does this kind of go by the wayside and say, hey, we did it. We, it was fun. We had a cool couple of shows and now we're moving on. I, I'm really curious to see what the aftermath of these three, because I don't know what the next, I mean, they still have a, at least a championship round, I guess, mm-hmm. at this point, because they have the two teams that need to fight. And I think that decides who gets the 5,000 at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And I should say that I think commentators and esports bother me in all like i used to watch a lot of starcraft (laughs) and i think the commentators and now actually because i'm getting into magic the gathering arena i was watching some magic the gathering tournaments on twitch and it's the same thing where they're just like oh is he gonna play that land oh he's got it in his hand he's going down for yes he's playing the green land now that's gonna open up this card and i'm watching it and i'm like i can see that and so not to i feel like i was being too mean to our those casters because they did do a very good job i think it's just casting things like that in general that bothers me (laughs) yeah yeah, i hear you there um that's awesome so esports again today uh i will not be able to watch it because i have a a friends giving so i i love it. it thanksgiving you have to go spend with your your parents and your your drunk uncle and it's just not fun and da, da, da. and then your friends decide to throw their own version of thanksgiving and it's all of your friends and you play board games and it's great so uh that's my afternoon today is friendsgiving and i'm really excited for it yeah it's funny we've been doing that for years because our family isn't as close as maybe other people's families so every now and then we would spend a holiday together but it was very very rare but we have a very close knit group of friends here in town that all do our hobbies together yeah. and we hang out with each other all the time. So all of our Thanksgivings have been, we go to a friend's house and we have a nice dinner there and we just hang out and watch movies and just have a good time. This year was the first time I heard it referred to as Friendsgiving. <laughs> I was like, oh, we've been way ahead of this curve for a long time. And uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely hear that. Ours is um, remodel the kitchen giving. Uh, and that is what's really happening in there my wife has been going like gangbusters out there of redoing her entire kitchen and she just yells for me to lift this or move this or do something every now and then and then uh, i run in there and do whatever and then she's got power tools and all kinds of stuff so it's been you know it's been funny to have a holiday where it's been pretty slow but friendsgiving is always really fun because like you said you get to play you'll probably play board games or you'll just sit and talk and have you know light drinks and you maybe watch some crappy movies that everybody loves to, you know, yell out the lines and repeat because they've all seen it a hundred times. It'd be like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, just something, just something crazy that everybody enjoys watching. So those are always fun to do. Yeah, it's great. Um, what else is happening in the the world of news for Dungeons and Dragons this week? Well, I know there was the, a little the... bit, yeah, and not a lot because everybody's obviously doing their Thanksgiving. Yeah, so a lot of people took to their say. time off and there wasn't a lot going on, but I did catch Mike Merle's um, video. And the one thing I did want to point out, he does his happy fun hour on Tuesdays and he did a Ranger review. And the reason I think he brought it up is because they released the errata, which we had talked about last week and it had some of the changes in it. So he went back and did a deep dive on their thinking in the Ranger where they've been since it released, where they've been since they wanted to, they've gotten all the feedback, what all the surveys were saying, um, how it consistently rated low in every survey they put out. Some of the things they've been thinking about as far as changes and why they won't do certain types of changes, like rewrites, because they don't want to people to not be able to use their player's handbooks. They don't want to force everybody to buy a new one. Yeah. Um, all those kinds of things. So it really dives into their their complete thought process 
around why they're going to or what they're going to do or why they haven't done something. If you're one of those people that have been out there on Twitter saying, hey, why haven't you fixed Ranger yet? Why don't you just put out a, a UA article and it fixes everything? I mean, it really dives in. So if, you, if you're a Ranger fan or you've always wanted to know what is going on with Ranger and why is it taking them so long to address the issue, that video really, if you watch through it, he gives you all of the, that information. And you can still disagree with them or agree with them or whatever, but I think at the end of it, you'll at least know the, their reasoning and their mindset behind it versus you know what's actually happening in reality for and what might be coming pretty soon. I think they've, they're working on it. I think they want to do something. It's just they haven't quite got there yet, but he goes through it all step by step. And I thought it was really good to, for, for anybody that loves Rangers. And I love Ranger. I wish Ranger was a really good class because for me, I want to play the pet class. I want to play the badass, shoot a bow from long range and hit with some good damage, then run up with a couple of swords and start stabbing something. And then my big giant wolf or my big bear comes running in and then helps out. I mean, that scene evokes a lot of cool dungeons and dragons nostalgia for me of the way it is in my in my head the movie that runs in my head when we're playing these games and that is just such a cool thing to happen it's like it kind of leads me back to my world of warcraft days of playing the hunter you know and it just gives me that ability to maybe play something like that and i think the ranger should be a strong character the ranger is always a strong character in every movie you watch that has anything that's remotely like a, a ranger go watch lord of the rings go watch you know any fantasy based thing the ranger's a badass all the time and it really should be a badass in dungeons and dragons so can i ask you some questions because i didn't watch that mike merles thing and maybe you can answer some of it um were they planning on on like so they they have quote unquote updated the ranger well not quote unquote they have updated the ranger um yep. to make it a little or specifically the beastmaster ranger to make it a little bit more fleshed out and and work at higher levels okay uh but are they going to do an unearthed arcana where they release something for everybody like here's just a like they did earlier with the revised ranger like here is the revised ranger and it's now adventure league legal like, is that their goal? Is that their plan? Or from what I have seen, it is, or what Mike Merles had said, he said, we will probably put the change out on DMs Guild for free. Okay. So, what they're working on. And um, so, it sounds like that's where we'll be able to find it. It didn't sound like we'd have to buy it. It sounds like you would be able to download it that way. You didn't need a new player's handbook and you didn't need um, anything else to to kind of get to it, which is their big fear of making any change to it. I think the change would have happened much sooner um, had they not had that fear, that care. Like well, if they just said, hey, we'll just put it out in a rat and it'd be fine. I think it would have happened long ago, but they have this, this deep set. We don't want people not to be able to use the player's handbook for their game. Well, can you imagine the revolt of that? Like if they did just like, oh, I spent so much money on this book and now you're forcing me to buy another book. You guys are just money grubbing, blah, blah, blah. Like I could see the backlash of that so easily that uh, it makes sense that they're, it, and I remember, I think it was uh, Jeremy Crawford said that if they do release something, it will be, uh, it will be free and open to the public. But I was curious if it would be Adventure League legal, and I guess he probably didn't touch on that in the video, but that's where I my curiosity resides because, of course, the you know original Player's Handbook Ranger will be Adventure League legal because it's in the Player's Handbook. But if they if they start releasing this other stuff, it makes me wonder. So I, I would bet that that would be Adventure League because we got, we got right away, anytime the books come out, like um, 
what was our last one? Mordecanans. I mean, within days, they told us, okay, the stuff that's in there is AL legal. So I would imagine within days of them releasing the new Ranger on DM scale, if that's the way they go and they don't change their mind in some way, which I'm sure could still happen between now and, and then. Um, and they didn't give a date yet. He didn't give a time on when this is going to yeah. happen. Um, I would assume that that then would be adventure uh, league legal, just like they created the Eberron stuff not too long after it. I'm hoping, I'm wondering about like Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. Could we get some because Adventure League of that? Because everybody, I, everybody wants to play some Loxodon in their Adventure League. We got to get that in there. You know, they did it for uh, Eberron. And so I was really surprised that they did it for Eberron, which was a PDF that you had to buy as opposed to this published book that they, they put out. Um, so I don't know, but you're risking fracturing Adventure League into too many parts, maybe, where you show up with your Loxodon and they're just like, oh, we're not running any of those games. We're running these games. So you have to make a new character now. And it's like, oh, but yeah, yeah. I don't know that, that that would be what I would want. So is more more storyline possibilities, I guess, within uh, that. But they don't have any, uh, I guess you just have to say, because they don't have, do they have, sorry, words coming out of my mouth. Do they have um, Eberron Adventure League scenarios? Or is it just play Eberron characters in the regular Adventure League scenarios? No, I think I, I remember seeing, yeah, I remember seeing some. I believe they're on the DMs Guild. Um, there are some AL adventures, illegal, created by Wizards of the Coast Adventure. Yeah, that are specifically for Eberron, right? Yeah. So if I yeah, wanted to play Eberron an Eberron adventures. character, like a Warforged, I have to play in those scenarios is kind of my understanding of it. Correct. Yeah, okay. you wouldn't be able to play it in the other Adventure League. They're separate at this point. It's almost like two leagues at this yeah. point. Yeah, because I couldn't be a Warforged in Tomb of Annihilation. So Correct. Yeah, yeah. That's my understanding, too. Okay. Anything else? What else? Uh, you got something else on our news here? I'm looking at our notes. Uh, yeah, I had two of them. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I just wanted to point out that Nerd Immersion, uh, friend of the show, over just this last day, they got their subscribers up, and they're doing a really cool contest if you're looking for um, a set of the new books with the alternate covers mm-hmm. um, as part of the giveaway. So if you go check out the Nerd Immersion on their Twitter and uh, definitely, you know, subscribe to that. You know, they do great stuff over in his video channel, and it's always really good stuff. Um, but they just they, they go get in that uh, that challenge or that. Um, I don't know why I just left. Like you said, words coming out of <laughs> making any sense. Yeah, that was the same thing. Contest. That's what I want to contest. Uh, definitely go check that out because I'm. I definitely want those books with the alternate cover. So I'm always looking for other ways I can get them before I go down to the store and buy them. Yeah. Real soon because I already own all those books. Yeah. Of and course. then number two, I just I woke up on Twitter and again, friends of the show, um, Jim and Emma of WebDM, they apparently had a home invasion attempt last night but everybody was safe and everybody it turned out okay so if you see them a little rattled today or uh you know if you see it out on twitter because i'm sure it'll blow up on twitter once people wake up and start reading twitter and it'll get all over uh definitely send them you know your your i don't even know what you send to somebody when that happens like you know it's just like good thoughts sorry it happened yeah yeah yeah, i'm glad everybody's safe uh you know that type of stuff so hopefully they're okay and um 
I just thought we would point that out because they are definitely good friends of the show. Yeah. Um, so are you planning uh, any have you were were you able to get through any games this week because of the holiday season, the uh, Thanksgiving Day? Yeah, it felt weird because the beginning of the week felt like a week, but then it immediately felt like Friday on Tuesday for me. Yeah, right? that's, that's I knew I was off on Wednesday and then I've had all these days off. So it feels like I've been two weeks here and one week and my mind's all weird. And um, But yes, I did get some gaming in. We did play our Monday night game, uh, Seeking Revenor. We had one player who missed, uh, wasn't going to be able to make it. And so I gave the guy, the group a decision. We could say we could postpone it and everybody could just enjoy the holiday week without playing this week. Um, and w- so that player wouldn't miss. Or if they wanted to, I could run them through the PVP kind of scenario that I ran one of the other groups. In fact, I didn't tell them that. I just said, or I could run a side adventure if you guys want me to run a side adventure for you. <clears throat> they chose side adventure because they all wanted to play. So I ran them through the PVP scenario that I ran my original group through, which was this thing where there's, they, they decide on a quest to go out on or uh, whatever they want to do. I interrupt that with a godlike figure appearing before them and uh, basically challenging them to fight each other for a, a boon or some type of reward. And they played along, they had fun and we did some one-on-ones again and These were third level characters, so a little bit different than the first time we ran it. And again, it was all kind of inspired by the RPG sports and and running D&D as an eSport, just letting my mind kind of tackle how do you run a game where you're trying to keep it fast paced, you're letting the players fight each other, you're trying to... uh, you're, you're trying to be impartial because you're just more of a referee versus telling an actual story. Um, the game doesn't have a lot of the RP elements. It is more of a tactical move along the board, figure out my, you know, my moves, and I tried to keep it going. And so it was fun. Third level, definitely it, the, the rounds took a little longer, and that I just assume would just ramp up as you kept getting higher. So if you're going to do this for your groups and say they're fifth level or 10th level, be prepared for those two people, two 10th level characters fighting each other to take some time to get through all the different things that they can do with their abilities and healing and, and dodging or, or, you know, all kinds of craziness that they get with their characters, but it was Mm. fun. They enjoyed it. The swashbuckler came out uh, on top to nobody's surprise as the swashbuckler at that low of a level is throwing out so much damage. It's insane. Um, And nobody could keep up with, you know, the, the guy who could always get sneak attack damage added onto their yeah for the most um, part to their you, hit, you would have so. to like gang up on him and stuff to try and negate that and like yeah yeah I thought about maybe running two on twos at that point and I was almost thinking about um, seeing how that would run but we started out with the one v ones just to try it out and then I felt like we ran out of time at the end of the night we spent about two and a half hours doing four people two rounds and then a third round for the championship round. So that took about two and a half hours if anybody was curious, Mm. but it was fun. And I think it was interesting. And I think it's one of those things. It harkens back to the thing that we've talked about on the show many times from your group. And it's your doppelganger session, which is still a cool session that I've always, when you told me about it, even though I wasn't there, I learned it made my mind think about that whole scenario. And it taught me some things, which is this cool idea of letting your players see their characters in a different light. Yeah. You know, letting them see them in some other way that they that open their eyes and go, oh, I didn't realize my character was like this. Because at the end of it, like all of them kind of knew, like a couple of them knew the swashbuckler was tough, 
I don't think they knew how tough he was. And there was like this new respect level for, oh, okay, we, we see what this character can do. But then he almost went down to the smites from the paladin because the paladin didn't have to save up, you know, to rescue the party. All of a sudden he could just lay down, you know, smite after smite after smite if he needed to. And those were hitting super hard on the rogue. And he was really worried. And so everybody was pulling out their little bag of tricks and trying to figure out how to do different things. And so I think it was definitely interesting for them to see their characters in a much different way, which is different from the way they see themselves as, okay, my tanks go forward, my damage dealers are in the back, my healers are keeping people up, you know, and coordinating with each other versus, wait a minute, I have to beat those people that I usually coordinate with. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have to use my character in a different way than my normal party role is. When you're fighting somebody else who's a player, you're no longer the healer, the tank, or the damage dealer. You're just, hey, I got to beat him or he's going to beat me. You know, there is none of that stuff. So it's definitely interesting. That's really cool. Um, I'm glad that it, like, it, I don't know, that it came away with a positive experience. Because whenever you start pitting people against each other, there's, sounds like there's going to be a sore loser in a way. But uh, not necessarily in D&D, you know, because people are are adults but (laughs) yeah no i think it could go that way and i and i think it has i've played in games where all of a sudden the group turns on each other and it does get that way like the group doesn't play after that session because all of a sudden somebody's like i'm tired of your crap (laughs) my paladin my paladin kicks you in the head or something and then it just blows up and then now nobody wants to play and you know so i have seen that happen um, so it's definitely something to keep in mind. It's definitely a danger, but it doesn't feel like it happens as often now. It feels like maybe we as a collective uh, role-playing community have understood that it's a game. It's fun. We're here to to have fun with our friends. Nothing in the game should come between that. And And it seems like maybe the way the game is played now, it encourages staying in that, that kind of... Um, direction instead of it devolving into uh i try to steal from jordan's pack yeah and then he catches me and now he's mad so he tries to kill me and then we fight each other and you know that kind of it feels like that used to be a norm back in the day i don't know why we played that way back in the day but we did mm. um this weird adversarial like if you ever hear adam cobalt talk about how he played D originally that's what it was there they were cutthroat it was like a cutthroat group and they would fight each other over drops or they would kill each other in the night to, to steal from each other yeah. or whatever. And it was all part of what they did. And you make a new character and you, you do go at it again type thing. Um, now it seems it's more like this is definitely in the, in the strong. We're a team. Um, we're all in it together. Let's make a cool story. Let's have some cool moments and let's work together kind of role play game. Yeah. One hundred percent. And that's how my group is, which is really cool. And I'm always like proud of them when a new item drops, they like go through meticulously like, okay, well, how many items do you have? Who would benefit from the the most from this? And then who really just wants it? And and they like weigh all of those before they divvy it out. And then everybody's usually keen and happy about where that magic item went. And it just kind of I don't know, as a dungeon master, I'm like, you guys work together so well. I'm so happy, like proud of you guys. (laughs) But yours was a fight fight to the the last man standing right that's how you ran this well each round was 1v1 so i put one person at the end one person at the other end they fought until they beat each other and then they went to the stands and then the next two came out fought they went to the stands the two winners fought and then that was the overall okay so you just did 1v1s all right yeah 
That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it seems like you could incorporate that into your game, like through a gladiatorial like showcase like they your players get involved in something like that i've been wanting to do something like that for a while but in my mind they were going to fight monsters because it's like a, an arena of gladiators you know and they would pit them against lions and stuff but uh pitting them against each other would be really interesting that sounds fun yeah and i thought about that like i thought about um one of the ideas i was thinking just before i ran that was well what if i just use like a doppelganger so i play an exact copy version of them and fight one-on-one -on -one versus them. That would be kind of fun for them to fight themselves. I thought like in some weird mirror universe kind of, you know, yeah. you're, but they have the goatee, like they fight the one with the goatee <laughs> and, and just go that funny kind of campy route. The other thing I was thinking about, like you said, like do it like full-on Roman gladiators where they, you know, they are in arena, they're stuck, they have to fight their way out. And yeah, let's throw, here's a manticore. Here's, you know, just doesn't really matter how or why it's there but here's this cool big creature for you to fight for all these fans watching in the stands kind of thing and there's lots of ways you can do it i mean there's so many different i think angles that you can take this fighting in a coliseum kind of idea and just plop it into your your campaign for a night that it's it's super fun and in this case we did it with the gods and then at the very end just for some rp fun uh the, I had four, the gods that came to their camp showed up in dark cloaks with um, the, the hoods up and you could not see their face no matter what angle you were at. It was always dark, obviously magically, but they knew they could feel the divinity radiating off them. So they knew they were in the presence of four gods. And the four gods did this little banter thing about these people coming to their lands and, and not paying homage to the gods correctly. And maybe they're not worthy and they're going through this and the players are like, okay, what's going on? We've got four gods. This is bad. And then we go to the Coliseum fight, but at the end of it, I bring the, the four players into the field and I bring the four um, gods who have their cloaks. And when they reveal their cloaks, it's four of the players that they played in the pre campaign. So I put their tokens that they were all used to playing for like at least six months mm -hmm. in the pre-campaign I did that's happened 50 years in the past. I put those tokens on the screen. I say, the, when they reveal their faces, this is who they are. And they are like, what? What's going on? <laughs> and they're like, is this real? What's going on? And like, I'd like, okay, game end. And thanks for showing. So I gave them no information. Like, is this really part of it? Are you just throwing that in for no reason? It was really super fun. Um, to throw in just something like that. And yeah, yeah. that's what's great about these types of sessions is just throwing in little hints of stuff or little things that make them wonder or think. And it throws them off because they weren't expecting it. They're expecting, oh, he's going to throw us back at a dungeon and we're going to do this or we're going to do some go to the farm and save the farmer's kid or whatever because that's what D&D &D is. And then you throw them a curveball and they're like, I had no idea that's what was going to happen. That was super fun. And that's what we're trying to do as dungeon masters and, and um, game masters is throw our players curveballs. And that's really our job is to throw them something they didn't expect and then turns out really fun for them. Yeah, for sure. That sounds really awesome. Um, I'm really curious about your next piece of news for your Tuesday yes. game. <laughs> yes. So um, Tomb of Annihilation, uh, Adventure League rules, playing it to the hilt. Uh, we're in a, without too much spoilers, we're in a place where, again, puzzles, because we talked about puzzles last week. Yeah. And we got to another puzzle, and it seemed like we had solved the puzzle, but then my group was kind of, um, they could see the prize at hand. We thought we'd solved the puzzle. Everything looks pretty good. 
and they're but they're still kind of poking around and like do we see any traps do we see anything and they're like nope 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 and then my barbarian at that time who has a very low intelligence very low wisdom and very low patience i just decide well we've solved the puzzle and in my head player lucian not just my character i'm thinking all right we've solved this like i in my own head i thought we had solved this all right i'm just going to go up and grab the cube so we can move on and go to whatever next puzzle we need to do because there's still at least two more puzzles and i immediately have to make a saving throw and immediately i fail that of course and i am petrified oh man so this brings up an entire new thing because if you don't realize there's not a lot of answers to fixing petrify in fact after doing lots of research because we were all stunned when it happened we realized there's more ways to cure death in Dungeons and Dragons than there is to cure petrify petrification. Oh, wow. Um, and since we're playing Adventure League rules and the DM is very conscious about only doing things that are legal in Adventure League, there's no GM shenanigans of, um, well, let me just throw something in there that's not there to keep this moving or keep this going or, right. or give you an out. In Adventure League, if your character dies, you're done right? You create a new character. That's how it works. Um, petrification doesn't kill your character. So now we're in this weird nebulous area of, wait a minute. So I have a petrified adventure league character. Mm -hmm. Am I, and I'm not dead because the spell says you do not die. You still, you don't age. You might even still have consciousness or something the way it reads. It's really weird what happens now so this threw our campaign into a huge mess all of a sudden because now a couple more things come into play one i can't play that character um because obviously petrified and we have no way to unpetrify me at this point there's nothing that they're going to find there's nothing that they do to solve the puzzle <clears throat> that then unpetrifies me this is a full-on if you get petrified you're petrified that's it yeah um and so the DM gave us that much information, even though he didn't really probably have to. So that's problem number one. I'm not dead. So technically in Adventure League rules, I don't get to play the surrogate characters because they bring in the surrogate characters if your character dies in Tomb of Annihilation because of the death curse, right? You can't just have somebody resurrected in Adventure League, whereas you can in any other of the Adventure Leagues that you play. You could go have a character paid to be resurrected you can't while playing Tomb of Annihilation right. because of the death curse. So that's problem number two. So I can't play a surrogate character because my character's not dead. I can't play my character because they're petrified. Problem number three. If I create a brand new character, guess what tier they are? Yeah. You're right. Level one. Tier number one. Yeah. Guess what tier my party is? Tier number two. Guess what can't play together in Adventure League? Tier ones and twos. So now we have this problem of even if I bring in a brand new character, how do I get them to where they're at? But AL does give us some interesting things that we can do. So I think our plan currently is we're all going to roll tier one characters for now. We're going to play some other Adventure League content that doesn't necessarily have to involve Tomb of Annihilation, but could if we wanted to play that character up to tier two. Then we end the sessions. When we come back in the next session, I'm allowed to bring my tier two character and they just show up. 
Yeah. That's just how it works. <laughs> so I just show up in the tomb. I come out of nowhere. The players are there and like, oh, hey, you're here too. And I'm like, oh, hey, look, you guys. Hey, you're here and you're having a problem. And they're like, yeah, our dude just turned into a statue. I'm like, okay, well, let me help you quest. We're going to go out and get our cleric one more level. Then she can get the one spell that we need to change my character back. So we're going to get her to her next level. She gets her next spell. We end the session there because you can't play two characters in the same session. Problem number three in the session. When we come back, I'm there as a statue with my character. Can't do anything. My players come back and um, revive me with a, I think it's a, the greater restoration or something. Greater restoration. Yeah. The, the fourth problem is, when you play Adventures League, there's a minimum number of players to run a session. Guess what that number is? Three? Three, okay. which is exactly the number we have in our show. So we have to juggle. Um, I, I can't just say, okay, you guys go and do this. Get you know, get to ninth level and then come back and, and fix me. They need the third person to play. Mm -hmm. So it's like this, this crazy mixture of weird rules that have brought about the circumstance all because i touched the cube i got myself petrified and so a couple of things i learned adventure league has weird rules but there are ways if you're creative to to try to work through this mm -hmm. um it's probably a situation that the designers were not like oh this is something that'll come up like yeah <laughs> yeah number two I can't believe petrification is such a, a, a big deal where it's harder to fix than death is to fix. There are lower level spells that will cure death than greater restoration. Yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy that that won't work in this. Um, and then number three in that, puzzles. <laughs> puzzles, puzzles, puzzles. I, at some point later on down the road, I want to, I'm going to put a pin in this where I feel like, I mean, I know Tomb of Annihilation has been gone enough that it probably wouldn't be two spoilers, but I think there's still some people out there playing, but down the road, maybe in a year, I want to explain this entire puzzle, maybe next year, right around this time, the anniversary of being petrified on that show. I'll bring it up and say, okay, this is spoilers for this one area. Cause I want to go through the whole steps and why, we as a party and characters thought this thing was solved and got us into this whole mess in the first place. And how could D, you know, Wizards of the Coast not put in something that allows you to get past this if this does happen? Because everybody's going to fall for it. Everybody's going to have this happen if they go into this room. There's just no clue that keeps you from not doing it. Yeah. You know? You're a, you're a gnome, right? Not in this one. Uh, this is my human barbarian. Human barbarian. Zealot. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you just need to write memoirs of a petrified human. Yes. And publish that out on the DMs Guild or something, and people can get it for free. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be I awesome. I spent 20 years as a statue. In yeah. What was that? Oh, you know. <laughs> so it is pretty funny. Um, it is. Well, one of the things they thought about was, what if we what if we break the statue and that would kill the player and then I could play and I was like slow everybody's roll down I want to come up with a different <laughs> solution because I want to play this character I don't necessarily want this player character to go away and again if you're gonna have something so 
final, which is okay. If you're going to play if tomb of annihilation, right? You're thinking, Hey, it's supposed to be tough. This is supposed to kill characters. Yeah. Don't make it revolve around one death save, one save, one roll of the dice should never be the determining factor. I don't think um, it's just not enough. And what, what kind of blew me away is that if you get petrified by something else, like a Medusa or any other creature that has that ability, you make two rolls before it happens. Yeah. So why wasn't this a two roll versus just a single? Yep. You either make it or you don't and you're out. Well, just trying to make it a difficult, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> But it is, and, I thought you know, that was interesting because I was trying to think about petrification and I'm like, no, I thought you got like two or three rolls. Like the first time you fail, you f- you get half s- speed because you're like, you know, body is turning to stone. And then if you fail again, you've turned all the way to stone. So I if thought that, that would have happened, I would have been fine because yeah. I went to grab it. I would have made, I would have missed the first roll and it would said, you can feel it happening, which is how normally it would work. And I would have immediately bonus action raged and I would immediately get advantage on the roll. Right. right. So I, I feel pretty good at that point, but it was a one and done. And it was just like con con save you're done. And uh, it, it was definitely very interesting um, for that night. And it really sent us into kind of a frenzy. And now I'm deciding on creating a new character. Everybody was really good in the party. We're going to create new characters and run some new adventures. So hopefully that all happens this Tuesday. If you get to watch it, we still have a Monday show coming up. We have the Tuesday show coming up and we'll see, maybe it's all brand new characters for, you know, five or six sessions to end the the rest of this year out, get that character to tier two so that I can then get in, save our, our Racky who I've really grown to love my eighth level barbarian. Who's been super fun to play. Um, because he is, I have been playing him pretty true to character as far as uh, intelligence and wisdom. Like I haven't really been helping, and I've been telling them my character's not super smart and not super observant. So when we're doing these puzzles, he just kind of is not helpful. And I'm like, I'm, I don't want to do that in a way that I'm not helping the party annoyingly. Like I know what sh- what like I have a clue on what we should do, uh, Lucian the the person but not necessarily uh racky the character mm-hmm. and so i try not to be too annoying with that but i'm i just like kind of drive it home like he's not smart enough to help you guys with this if you want him to hit something he hits something like when we do puzzles i say okay can i can i forcibly open the door and the, and the gm will be like nope can i turn every bracket in the room can i hit anything any tile does that do anything? He's like, nope. And I'm like, I turn to my party and say, okay, that's that's Racky's puzzle solving ability right there. The rest <laughs> is up to you guys now. You guys got to figure this out because he's done everything his little brain possibly could come up with at this point. So it is fun, and that does that does remind me of um, I watched Jeremy talking. Uh, he took a question from one of their Q and As, um, and it got into this question about. And I think Adam Cobalt talked about it in his show this week, too. For some reason, it just kind of all came up in, in one week. This idea of characters playing their ability scores, but how do you play an ability score that's way above it? And it's easy for the physical things. We all have references for what it means to be stronger than possibly human. Because like, if me and you graciously gave ourselves probably if we were real characters, a 12 in intelligence, a 10, maybe an 11, 
you might be playing a character, Jordan, as a 18 intelligence. So what is that like? And how do you actually role play that when you yourself are nowhere near in 18 intelligence? Uh, I don't have a good answer for you. Um, I, other than letting the dice do the work for you. So yeah. lots of history checks, lots of things like that. And then the DM telling you like, this is how much, you know, this is how much you figure out. Uh, yeah. I don't know. How would you handle it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause like, you don't even know what the right question is, but my 18th intelligence character would know exactly what the right question right. would be to ask, you know, or what the, and so that that's the same thing. You let the dice rolls to get that, but here's another one. What if you have an 18 charisma? How do you roll that? How do you play? Yeah. And you know, and I ran into that issue with my, my bard in adventure league um, where I was really frustrated. Cause I'm like, Hey, I want to, I want to calm the crowd. Can I like play a song and do this? And in my mind, it's like, well, that's a performance check and we'll just see if he actually is able to like calm the crowd. But my DM was like, okay, so what do you sing? And I'm like, well, why do I have to sing? It's like, well, you, you're, you're a bard. You have to come up with something. And so they're forcing me to come up with like a limerick on the spot. And I was really frustrated because I'm like, well, you don't say like, oh, like when the barbarian wants to lift a table, you're not like, okay, we'll go over there and lift that table. We'll see if you can do it. You know, and we have this weird mindset with the wisdom, intelligence, charisma scores that we don't with the dexterity scores. It's like, well, how fast are your hands to actually pickpocket something? We're okay with a dice roll for that, but we're not okay with a dice roll when he's trying to do a performance check. Um, Somehow Jordan has to be like really creative. Like, I don't know. Or persuasion checks are the worst ones where I'm like, well, let me do a persuasion check. And they're like, well, how do you persuade him? And it's like, well, I kind of say this. Well, he wouldn't he wouldn't be persuaded by that. I'm like, well, that's why we have the check, because Jordan is not good at X, Y and Z. So we have dice that determine this for us. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. And that's exactly what it led into. And that's kind of what that discussion um, had me thinking about over this last week, because it popped up twice. It ha- I've started thinking about, I've been playing in, in eight intelligence and eight wisdom, which isn't really dumb, actually. I think we play it that way um, and because we know there are characters that have 18s and 16s and 17s. Yeah. So if somebody has an eight, you feel like there should be some wide range, you know, but the reality is it's not like somebody, I, I don't even think eight would be somebody who would be impaired if you even go to that far. No, 10 is I average, think, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, that's how I like an average human being as well, you know, hypothetically. Right. So. Yeah. So that's, that was interesting. And I think that's the couple of things that, that, um, ep- that whole session brought up that was interesting for dungeon masters and game masters to keep an eye on or, or to start thinking about, because it'll probably happen at some point for you. Think about how people are using those scores creatively and, and encourage and help them and, and, show them different ways they might be able to do it, even if they haven't thought about how to do it. Be lenient when they're trying to say, you know, I, my character tries to talk their way out of this problem. You're like, well, what do you say? I don't know. My character knows exactly what to say because he has an 18 you know, charisma, so he's really good at this stuff. You yeah. know, let them work with them to do that kind of thing. Don't, you know. And I'll tell you, my rule, my house rule is if you say like, well, I want to persuade him to give me this. And I'll be like, well, what do you say? And a lot of times they'll say, well, you know, I just kind of, like, hey, will you give me this? Like, we're buddies. And I'm like, okay, here's a persuasion check and I'll give it to you. But if you come up with a really good answer to that question, I will give you advantage. 
like, no, actually that's really awesome. Like you not only convinced him that you were, I don't know. I can't think of th- I'm like I said, right. Jordan's not good at this, but <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but it's, I think that's fair. And it's the same thing with the barbarian. Like if he very clearly describes what he's doing, he's like, well, I want to use this piece of wood as a lever to like push down on the door and things like that. I'm like, okay, well now I'll give you advantage on your strength check because you creatively gave me a way of, you know, of, of how you're actually doing this same thing with a persuasion check. So. Yep. So that was kind of my, uh, we, I think what this show has helped me do over this last year that me and Jordan have been doing this is it helps me look back at sessions and have fun and enjoy the story and what's going on. But then also after those are done to take a, a step back and say, what did I learn from that? Or what, what yeah. thing comes to my front of my mind that says, okay, if this happens in one of the games I'm running, or if this happens again, how should I approach it? Or what are some other things I could do? Or do I, you know, just always looking at, um, other ways to handle those situations and, and learning from it, lear- taking all these experiences and really learning and passing it on to other great, you know, dungeon masters and game masters and pl- even players. I'm just a player in that game. And, and I'm still learning stuff as a player, as much as I am as somebody who runs games also. Yeah, so. for sure. And then my last thing I, I, I've, stolen the show once again from Jordan, but I'm sure he has <laughs> plenty to go here pretty quick is I've just realized, um, Last week, I was able to run some impromptu games, and I had mentioned it in our show last week, because my work trip was switched um, because of weather. Due to weather on the East Coast, they said, let's don't do it. We're going to move it. We're going to reschedule it. I just realized they rescheduled it to this coming up week. And then I also just realized that my company headquarters, where I have to drive to, is exactly 45 minutes away from where PAX Unplugged is which happens to be next week. So this happens twice to me. Um, earlier this week, I went to GameholeCon only because mm-hmm. my work had sent me to the place that was within less than an hour's drive of where this great convention was. It is happening again. Now I'm debating, should I go to PAX Unplugged? And because I know a ton of people are going. And yeah. so now I have this agony of, it's only 65 bucks to get a three-day pass which is no big deal. And I thought, oh, I could go and I could hang out. But now I got to somehow figure out a way for my wife not to realize I'm spending money on hotel nights. <laughs> why I'm not coming home till Sunday again for another game convention within less than a three-week time span. I don't know if I'm going to make this charisma roll, but I'm going, I might try. I think you should try. I don't know. I, I don't know. Any role like that is a disadvantage with her, so I don't know what, how it's going to go. But uh, uh, we'll see. So maybe maybe I'm going to make an appearance at PAX Unplugged Could if I can figure out how to do the lodging without breaking the bank. But we had, shall see. Yeah, I had quite a few people ask me if I was going, and I'm like, well, I just can't because this this last year with going to Gen Con and my honeymoon in Thailand – uh, the vacation days are just gone. So it's kind of like, a, but gosh, it would be fun. I would really like to go to PAX Unplugged. Yeah. And a lot of our fans are going that are in the show. A lot of the people we talk to in the creator community, um, go, although I, everybody uses the word influencer. I, I never liked that word. I just like creator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, doesn't imply anything else other than we just, you know, but there's a lot of those people are going. There's going to be a huge presence of all the friends that we have that do that. 
and so I want to go really bad. I've always wanted to see a Acquisitions Incorporated live game. So yeah, <laughs> yes. No, okay. that sounds fun. That was my week. How did Jordan play some games this week? I mean, you had a whole bunch of days. You had some time off work. Were you able to get your friends and players together to play? No, because they all left to go elsewhere for thanksgiving yeah. i'm like they if you guys would just stay family. here we could have a black friday D D game and it would be so much yes. fun um but i'm playing games tomorrow so i'm really excited for that and it's friendsgiving today so we're gonna play regular board games so that'll be fun what's um, the board game i don't know well like i'm just gonna bring uh betrayal at house on the hill probably and oh, scott pilgrim precious little card game some of my favorites and we'll just see whoever wants to play whatever so there's gonna be a huge group of people i'm sure some of them will be uh playing like badminton out back because the weather is actually really nice for november for some reason uh and then some of them will be watching a movie and some of us will be playing board games so super awesome i wish i could be out there one of these times coming out to idaho yeah come visit that sounds great (laughs) uh that would be way fun actually for sure um but in D &D things last sunday um my players have been going through this uh mega dungeon that i have so it's an inverted pyramid. So they start at the big one and they've been slowly going down to get to the smallest level. Um, and they've had to find keys along the way to, to break down into the lower levels. And so now they found all three keys. They've gone to the very tiniest level. And we, we looked at uh, one of my players keeps really good notes. And we looked at the notes and we said, when did we start this? And apparently they started this temple, this inverted pyramid in June. So we've been doing this since June, this like big mega dungeon. And it's now coming yeah. to the very last level. Um, and they're going to encounter the big boss that I have at the end. But it got me thinking because uh, if somebody really wanted to hide something or lock it up, you probably wouldn't put keys scattered throughout the dungeon that it's in. Uh, and it got me thinking that I'm kind of designing. I, I when I originally made this, I designed it like just a just a funhouse dungeon because I thought it would be yeah. fun, but um, very much like a video game. Like you go into a Zelda style video game or a Laura Croft style video game, and it's like I can't open this door, so I need to go down these other three paths to get three keys that will then allow me to open this main door that will then take me to the next section. And that's kind of how I designed this dungeon. I don't know. It just got me thinking. Like, would it have been a better D and D game to have to scour the world for those three keys to come back and unlock this dungeon, or would it be a better D and D game to just be able to find the pieces that of the puzzle that you need within the combine or the confines of this of this temple? I don't know. Thoughts? Yeah, yeah. And I always think I, I run into that problem myself because I've been creating a bunch of dungeons lately, also. And this idea of well, wait a minute. What would a re- like? We know what a Dungeons and Dragons dungeon is because those are all fun, and we've done those quite a bit. <clears throat> and but what are you? What would a real dungeon look like? And why in the world would somebody set up anything that looks anything like this? Yeah. For any purpose, because it's obvious it doesn't keep anybody out, and it doesn't stop anybody from right. doing anything. It gives them all the clues they need to know where to go and find the bad, you know, the stuff. And it doesn't make any sense. How does, how do they live there? How do they get their food? How do they communicate with each other? How to, and so sometimes I go down this road of what would be a real ecology of a dungeon 
that would then be worth something for players to go and risk their lives in to get something out of. Um, and then I always fall back to, well, you know, we're playing a game and everybody wants to play this story. And we're, I'm kind of giving them what they expect anyways with, you know, in this dungeon, you might find a secret door. You might find a key that opens the door. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, there's three keys on this level. And when you get those three keys, you can finally take them over to where the door is. You put the three keys in and now you're into the cool super vault and whatever. But why are there three keys and why are they in an area that's easy to get to? Right. Why aren't they, you know, all that stuff Just to let that go, I guess. But um, it is interesting to go down those routes of what would happen if you tried to put the realism into it? And yeah. I guess the realism would be a dungeon wouldn't be somewhere. You wouldn't store your valuables in a dungeon. Yeah. I mean, so thinking about other dungeons, like when I was making this, I thought a lot about White Plume Mountain. And yeah. White Plume Mountain, you're supposed to gather these three weapons, Black Razor, Whelm, and I forget the other one, the Dwarven one. But these three weapons... Um, and you go in, there's definitely three different paths. At the end of each of these three paths is a weapon. When you gather all the weapons and you try to escape, there is like another attack against you. Um, and then, but that's the, the whole purpose of that is to kind of attack players, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But then you have a, um, a, a dungeon like the Tomb of Horrors, where that is designed to kill players because the players that die in that, their souls or the adventurers that die in that game, their souls fuel a Sarax, uh phylactery. So right, right. that one kind of makes sense why it's this like weird funhouse death dungeon. Uh, but games like White Plume Mountain doesn't. But I still have a lot of fond memories of White Plume Mountain. I think my yeah. players are going to have a lot of fond memories of the inverted pyramid that we've been running for the last like five months, four months. So... I don't know. It's just kind of like, would does that it, do we do we get to a point where we just recognize like this is a game and it's going to play out like a game, or do we yeah. go for that hyper realism of like, well, no, we're we're like imagining a story and we're creating all this other stuff, but at the end of the day, it's a game. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Or even think of like, I love the movie Goonies. Like, I absolutely adore and love that movie so much. But if you sit back and try to figure out why would the pirates hide their ship in this cove? How would they engineer some crazy, you got to play a song on a piano yeah. to make a door open. You've got to do all these crazy things. But in if you let all of that go, the fantasy of it, the adventure of it, the fun of the kids exploring and trying to figure these weird puzzles and things out is so good that you just have to let reality go. You just have to be like, we don't know how these pirates did it. It's It doesn't matter. It's super cool. It's super fun. And I think that's what people come to the table wanting when they play their characters. When you say, hey, would you guys like to come and play a Dungeons & Dragons game with me? In their minds, they're thinking of, we're going to get to play a Goonies adventure. We're going to get to play some cool dungeon diving adventure from the old days. We're going to get to play some of the stuff. And I think it's okay to give them that, even if some for some reason you can't figure out why the dragon would do what the dragon does, mm -hmm. you know, or why the person does this. I, I think it's good if you can come up with a reason. Aserac is that, I think that's Wizards of the Coast way of saying, we want a funhouse dungeon and we're just going to say it's because Aserac wants to kill adventurers. Aserac hates adventurers and he wants to use their souls to, to power his fuel. And that's just a simple way to say, that's why we have this crazy yeah. doesn't make sense dungeon that you're about to go through. 
Yeah, no, 100%. So I don't know. It just kind of was like, that was what I took away uh, for the week. Like I just kind of. Spoilers then. Spoilers? If they're at the final level. Yeah. We assume they'll be successful because they've been a pretty good adventuring group to get all the way to the bottom. What happens after they're done? I can't tell you because some of my players watch the stream, <laughs> but they have three keys. There's going to be a giant door that, ha- that takes these three keys to basically unlock um, the final level. And I'll throw this out there. They're, they're probably going to meet King Necros, who's been leaving little hints and he's on, he's been on murals. He's been in uh, not paintings, but like they, they murals and wall paintings and things like that throughout the entire dungeon, kind of detailing his life as they're getting lower and lower and lower. And that's probably where he's going to reside. So they're going to fight or they're going to find the big bad guy and we'll see what happens if they want to fight him, if they want to make a a negotiation with him. uh, We'll see. He's, He's definitely not there to just be attacked. There's uh, <laughs> multiple paths I think that my players could take, so it'll be really exciting. And do you, but do you know where you're taking your campaign next? Because this sounds like a mm-hmm. end of a chapter kind of moment. It is a very much so, an end of a chapter. They're going to reach level yeah. eleven at the very end of this, um, and if then they, if they live, <laughs> if they live, and then I I know where it's going to go after that. So uh, it's it's. Yeah, it's been a lot of prepping, uh, mostly at work when I'm bored, sometimes at home. But uh, I have uh, a, I have a plan, and that's the problem, though, is I always come up with plans, and then my players do the opposite. So I've come up with a loose plan, and we'll see if they bite the carrot that I'm dangling. So that'd be cool. So everybody could keep tuning in for the next few shows leading up to the end of yeah. the year. Cause we'll find out where this campaign is going to yeah, go. The next, level 11 character. I think, I think next week I'll be able to talk about it. So, and, and tell cool. you guys what happens and what, where they're going to go next. So that could be, or at least within the next two weeks. So stay tuned next week for the Saturday morning D and D show where Jordan discusses his campaign of excellence. So I'm very modest. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. I want to say thank you so much for coming out and watching us both on YouTube and on Twitch. Um, sorry again for my streaming problems. I thought I had them figured out, but uh, I'm going to do a bunch of experiments after this and really see if I can figure out what's happening with streaming because that's not fun to have half a show get uploaded. So anyway, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on, uh, we have a podcast. This show is a podcast. You can search Saturday Morning D&D Show on anchor.fm and find us as a podcast um, for if you need to listen to us while driving in the car like I usually do. Uh, thank you guys again so much for coming out. Any final words, Mr. Lucian? No, but if you, are there topics or things you want us to talk about, definitely tell us in the comments of our videos or send it to us on Twitter. We're always open for that, if there's guests that you would like us to try to get, if there's other things that we could be talking about or bringing up, definitely let us know and keep that conversation yeah. going until we swing back around till next Saturday. And stay tuned. Maybe it's going to be live from PAX Unplugged, or maybe it's going to be from my own house here again. We shall see. Yeah. Everybody tweet at Lucian and tell him to go to PAX Unplugged. Yes. Um, Just don't and- tell my wife. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you guys so much. We will see you again next Saturday uh with another uh episode. I need to go to this mode and then I need to go here. Yeah, we like, gotta, oh. <laughs> um, we, uh, should we do a raid? We transition. Oh, we could do a raid. Let's do do we know who's up? Anybody have a good idea for a raid? There we go. <laughs> Exciting. 
All right, guys. We will see you next week. Uh, take care, everybody. Goodbye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.